And as we know in Revelation, and Jesus said to the Laodicean church, said, I wish you, you were cold or hot. And the cold is those that are propagating this. And the hot would be those that are protectors. He says, you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out on my mouth. And, and if we sit back and do nothing, then we're, we're like that passive group. We're the lukewarm group. We're, that's very unappealing to our Lord and Savior who died for these people. And we can't sit back and just, just say, well, somebody needs to do something. We have to recognize what our mission and purpose is, both as Christians and as the body of Christ collectively, to, to stand up against unrighteousness. Welcome to the Stream Roots Podcast, where you'll learn how God's unchanging truth can be applied in our ever-changing world. Through conversations with pastors and ministry leaders, you'll be encouraged, equipped, and challenged in your walk with Christ. Stream Roots is designed for pastors and leaders in the church, but is helpful for all people. And now your host, Pastor Mark Pospisil. So glad to have you join us for this episode on Hope Against Trafficking and the Local Church. With me is my friend and producer of Streamroots, the John Blosser. John, how's it going? It's going, buddy. How are you? Good. Just enjoying the summer. Oh, yeah. Taking the time. Yeah, that's right. Praise God. Praise God indeed. Today, we have a couple of special guests for this episode, Barb Rausch and John Fraunfelder. Barb helped launch Hope Against Trafficking in 2013 with two members of her church, Troy Christian Chapel. She's on the executive board and focuses on strategy for the organization. John is a medical doctor who recently joined the speaker's team and advisory board for Hope Against Trafficking. He's very active in his church, teaching Bible studies and enjoys speaking to men's groups. Barb, John, welcome to the show. Can you share a little bit about yourself with us? Thank you, Pastor Mark. So I have been a person that has, for my whole entire life, spent giving to others. I've got the gift of helps, and uh, I love that. I'm very active in my church and been involved with orphans most of my life, and that's kind of how I got involved in trafficking. Mm. All right. That's Mark John Frauenfelter, and uh, I've been involved uh, with missions, medical missions with my wife uh, for the last 15, 20 years, and, and actually longer than that. And we have four kids, raise them to actually have a heart for missions, not necessarily any of them going into the mission field, but we're passionate about uh, seeing Christianity in action, yeah. and we're involved with our local church and and uh, also work around the world. Well, praise God for that. So, and uh, really love Hope Against Trafficking. We're going to talk more about that, and what does it mean for the local church, and, and what does it mean to be involved as fathers of Jesus, and to get our churches involved, and as a leaders, how to influence people uh, for exposing the darkness and saving people out of that. Absolutely. Let's jump into our discussion. I'm, I'm excited for today. Actually, we was just at Hope Against Trafficking the other day, serving over there. I love it. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Got the help we can get. All right. I want to read for us from God's word from the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11 says this. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Human trafficking is the use of force, fraud, or coercion to obtain labor or a commercial sex act. Trafficking is a multi-billion dollar industry and the demand isn't going away. The roots of prostitution and trafficking are often found in severe childhood abuse, loss, or neglect. In these traumatic childhood experiences that push individuals, predominantly children, towards homelessness, addiction, prostitution, trafficking, and incarceration. When Hope Against Trafficking started, the founders realized that there was a lack of long-term safe restorative environments for adult survivors of human trafficking. The women who've been rescued or escaped, their abusers and traffickers lacked hope 
as they had no safe haven, no financial stability, and feared for their lives. The goal is to help people recover, be redeemed, and restored. So how can the local church be part of this redemptive ministry? That's why we invited Barb and John to join us for this discussion, to understand the issue, the problem, and how to solve that through the power of Christ. So Barb, why did you get involved in Hope Against Trafficking? Well, I had two members of my church that both had prayed separately because they had seen the problem of trafficking in the country and outside of the country on missions trips and came back and said, we need to do something about this. we got a problem in our backyard. And I said, backyard? What are you talking about? Isn't it over there? And both of them said, no, it's really bad in Michigan. There's uh, 1,200 women in a three-square-mile radius of Detroit that are documented. I mean, they just started giving me these statistics that they knew about and stories. And I realized that we did have a problem in our backyard. And then the next question, will you help us? Hmm. And that's the question that kind of has gnawed at me my entire life. Like, if I was in Nazi Germany in the 1940s, would I have done something to help those that were enslaved? And I used to say, well, I hope so, but you really don't know because you weren't there. So here was my opportunity. I could just hear God kind of saying, now is the time to, to jump in. You know, this is the question that's been gnawing at you. So I said yes. And having the gift of helps I, and also a, a background in um, kind of, you know, I'm a problem investigator and can, you know, help people and counsel and all that. I mean, just a lot of giftings that had already been there. And I, like I said, I had spent a lot of time working with, with orphans. But when I went down to Thistle Farms, which is the, the uh, most well-known human trafficking survivor program in the world, uh, they've graduated several hundred women from it. And um, I was told, go check out that, that program. So I did. I went down to Nashville for work, and I took an opportunity to go there. And the night before, I just started pouring into their website, seeing kind of what was there. And that's when God got a hold of me hmm. and said, these ladies are orphans. Because yeah. I'm still thinking, oh, I'm still going to go on my missions trip to help the orphans and the, and the things that I had been doing. But these ladies are orphans, and the stories were just heart-wrenching, and I wept for an hour, and I just, I was very humbled, and I just knew that this was what God wanted me to do, even though I knew nothing about it. <laughs> Love it. So you mentioned some of the issue here just in our state. We kind of think, um, I remember you saying this, John, you always kind of think it's out there. You don't realize it's, it's in your backyard. Um, can you talk about the general problem with human trafficking in Michigan? I'm not talking about just like in the United States, which we understand, but just in Michigan. Sure. Um, every year since 2007, we have been tracking. Uh, there is a group called the Polaris. Um, it's a nonprofit that that takes call-in statistics. So there's a national hotline and people call in and they've been tracking how many survivors are calling in, how many others that are kind of seeing signs of trafficking and calling in to, to report to the police. And since 2007, we have had uh, over 5,000 people identified as being trafficked in Michigan. And just last year, 465 victims were identified. This problem continues to get worse and worse. And we don't have the resources to, to, to address it, but we know for you know, the tracking that, that, we, that there is a problem. And those are only the ones calling in, right? The problem is much bigger than that. Mm. And so you said it's getting worse. Any reason why? Uh, the, the four things that we look at when we think about trending are 
um, whether or not, uh, you know, we're doing things to prevent, we're doing things to look at policy and how are we protecting those that are out there and rescuing them, uh, as well as um, just generally how are we prosecuting? You know, are those things healthy, moving in the right direction? And we have made some positive trends. Like we've had 28 people that were convicted last year. Well, 28 on that's just last year on over uh, 465 cases. You know, we got a long ways to go. Uh, we actually rated for our laws. Our laws aren't strong enough yet. We're talking to legislators, but we have more work to do in that area. And our laws are rated. They used to be an F. Now they're a D. So we're making progress, but we have a long, long way to go there. Sounds like my high school grade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and really, we're getting there. I did graduate. When you look at you know the things that we need to do um, in, in what's happened, especially during. COVID, COVID. I mean, we've had uh, mass undocumented border crossings and homelessness. That homelessness is is a, um, a way a lot of victims are are manipulated into trafficking. Um, one out of three runaways will be caught in forty eight hours and trafficked. Mm. So we've got a lot of undocumented border crossings now. We've got an environment now in our culture where the internet and Hollywood and hate groups and and everybody is kind of st- starting to. Uh, sh- Tell people it's okay to degrade people. It's okay to sexualize things. And when when you're getting into that kind of a culture and, and a culture of hate, true hate, um, it makes people more vulnerable. Um, we already talked about our legislation, but human life and, and the value of that. So we're degrading humans instead of doing what God has asked us to do, which is to honor and respect um, and then you look at drug usage and abuse, that's increasing. We've had a lot of drugs crossing the border as well. And when that gets into neighborhoods, that is used to lure women and actually boys now too into trafficking. Yeah. And it, it, I'll just add, um, I think it's a bit of law of supply and demand. You've got uh, a lot of new, new, you could say, bodies, people coming across the border illegally that they don't have resources, they don't have a way to get uh, help or get taken care of, so they get sucked into this, and that's the supply side. On the demand side, though, it, there, there are two two um, areas of of uh, trafficking. One is sex trafficking; the other is is work. And um, in in both of those cases, there's an increasing acceptance, but especially in the sex trafficking, there's an acceptance of of um, of, of a, an immorality in our culture. There's a sexualization of, of young people is a phrase that we often hear, and it's happening in the schools. And this is making it more, I'd say, more of a demand, more <clears throat> more attractive to do the wrong things. And now you've got a demand side, you've got a supply. So the problem is probably naturally going to increase unless more structures put in place, like Barb described, around policy and prosecution, things like slow that thing down, because it's a runaway train almost is what it seems like. Hmm. I think the internet has fueled it too, right? You, oh, absolutely. You have you have the internet that all of our kids are on now, and the targets are the vulnerable. the The vulnerable don't get and understand that they're being lured and manipulated, and that's what human trafficking is. It's it's force, fraud, or abuse trying to lure our children into trafficking, and they're unaware. So we have to kind of up the ante there to try to help them be protected. Yeah, amen to that. Amen to that. I just talked about that on Sunday. 
about uh, if you think people aren't coming for your children's hearts and minds and lives and trying to influence them and get a hold of them, your head's in the sand. Yeah, we talked yeah. about that on a, on a recent episode with uh, Jay Warden Wallace yep. about, um, you know, the the age of, you know, rebellion or enlightenment used to be that first year in college, but now it's as soon as kids have a cell phone. Yeah. They're, they're wide open to anything they can Google pretty much. They're being exposed as Absolutely. young as three years old because we've kind of put them in front of TVs and and uh, you know d- different opportunities even on the internet with the games and things that they're yeah. being exposed at such a young age. Crazy. So so what's being done? I at hope against trafficking our hat. Uh, well, as as we can break it down uh, for helping survivors recover to be restored and redeemed. So hope against trafficking when we. F- uh, f- founded the organization and we wanted to model after Thistle Farms, we, we were focused on two efforts. One was to help restore the survivors and the other one is to educate to prevent, which we've been doing a lot with the community. But with the women themselves that are in our program, and the reason why we only have women, adult women, is because there was no program for adult women, survivors of trafficking. We had a lot of things for kids, not not very much for women. So we focused on, on that age, um, 18 and up, and uh, starting, it's a four-phase program. So basically, if you think about the things that they need, they need healing both spiritually and physically, emotionally, mentally. All of those areas take time. It's a two-year program. They can live in our houses for free. And the first phase is just let them settle in. And they have been working nonstop uh, in prostitution, which Back in the day, I used to think prostitutes wanted to be doing what they were doing until I found out over 99% do not want to and are being forced into this. So they need to heal and we need to get them counseling. They have PTSD trauma, which is the most complex form of trauma you could have after being um, basically raped 20 times a, a night. And and so it, over a period of years, some of them many years. So we, we give them that time. We have equine therapy, art therapy, the counseling with specialists in PTSD trauma. We help them with life skills. They have to learn how to cook. Many of them were taken at 12, 13 years of age. They don't know how to cook. They don't know how to clean. They don't know how to do their finances. They don't. They haven't finished their GED. We, we allow them the opportunity to set their own goals, and we come alongside of them to achieve those goals. And then we help them with the job skills that they need. So the life skills, then the job skills. The job skills, we have uh, others come alongside to help them learn how to interview, how to develop resumes. Um, we want to know what their calling is by God. Spiritually, we have to help them trust. They have to trust God first before they can trust mankind. That's just the way that it is. God is unconditional love. And so we are there to show them that unconditional love. Somebody has to help them to see that they are worthy to be loved and they are special. And it's true. It's not something that somebody's just saying to lure them or to get them to do something. So we spend a lot of time building community amongst themselves, building community with our uh, people that are working and our staff. And then we try to introduce them to the outside community. But that's a long process to get them there because without that, then they are unable to go work in the outside world. So it's Mm. a process. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, It is great. So it covers all of that spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. And that's the holistic. You need all of that. Yes. And and that's what Christ came to bring. So, uh, John, why did you engage as a volunteer at Hope Against Trafficking? Yeah, yeah. I certainly didn't plan on taking more on, as I've shared before with folks. I, I you know, I've got my day job 
four kids involved in our church doing medical mission work is like, well, I have an easy excuse to say I'm not going to do more. So it started with a friend of mine who is involved in, in fighting this human trafficking in another state and sharing what's going on and what they're doing. And the, the again, some of the numbers and statistics are, are frightening. And also the, the trend that it's getting worse and not better. And I began to feel compelled for my own self. My wife and I talked and prayed about it that we, we couldn't sit back. We had to, we had to do something. So it, Micah 6 eight says, you know, to, that we're to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. And how do we act justly and love mercy if we aren't aware and, and making ourselves aware and then getting involved, getting our hands dirty to do something to make a difference in this world? It's, uh, there's more I have to say there, but I'll, I'll, I'll hold it for the moment. So that's how I got involved. Um, and then it's kind of a, a path from there. Okay. Wait, more to say, that's what we're here for the podcast for. <laughs> so, so think about it, you know, I think you have more to say. Um, when we had you, actually had you at my church, which was great. I love it. Um, you, you, said, you said it's really important for men to engage in this. Uh, why is that? And what message would you share with men, especially leaders? Yeah. Uh, well, and especially on the, on the sex trafficking side, I guess it's no secret men have a critical role in this whole industry. And that there are there are those that are the perpetrators or predators, those that are that are involved with even things like online pornography, have mm-hmm. a very destructive effect and, and directly are touching these girls that are that are trapped or in some sort of coercion to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're propagating, they're part of the industry in a in a bad way. Then there are the protectors. There are those that are doing something to oppose it. And there are ministries that are that are in Michigan, other other places around the country, where the men are involved in in, in engaging with men, and then there are the passive, and that's unfortunately that seems to be the majority uh, of of folks. Even when they start to hear about these, well, man, somebody should do something about it. But as we know in Revelation, and Jesus said to the Laodicean church, said, "I wish you you were cold or hot." And the cold is those that are propagating this, and the hot would be those that are protectors. He says, you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And, and if we sit back and do nothing, then we're, we're like that passive group. We're the lukewarm group. We're, that's very unappealing to our Lord and Savior who died for these people. And we can't sit back and just, just say, well, somebody needs to do something. We have to recognize what our mission and purpose is, both as Christians and as the body of Christ collectively, to, to stand up against unrighteousness. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why it's important. Yeah, well, you're one. Of, you're one of those three. You're a per- perpetrator. You're a protector. Or you're a passive. There, there is no one. There, that's that's it. You're one of those three. Yeah. So it's kind of which one do you want to be? Okay. And I really liked what you had to say, Barb. You know, 1940. If I'm in Nazi Germany, what am I going to do? Well, obviously, I'll I'll stand for justice. And I'll do this. But what about today? Okay. Um. So after you share this message, John. When you go to church, you know, you're in the speaking circuit for, for hat or hope against trafficking. What's your response? So when you share these things, when you're talking and you're challenging and you're encouraging, get, get, in, get in the game, get some skin in the game. What's your response typically? Well, it's early, but I'll tell you, it, it, it does vary and it really will vary based upon the paradigm that that church has. If the church is rec- if the church recognizes its mission that we are, we are in this world to reflect and represent Christ, and to draw and disciple people to follow Christ, 
then this resonates with them and, and it will it will it will land on fertile soil in their heart and they're gonna to want to take action. And and Mark, I'll say when we spoke at your church, we filled up two pages of people that were like excited and interested to take the next step and do something because uh, it's part of the culture here. It's it's we are here to represent Christ, to represent the kingdom of God, to be a light on the hill. So if I can digress for a second, the sure. risk is the risk is there there are different paradigms in Christianity today. This is this is some churches, this is some pastors, where the Christianity is just a, a journey to be experienced. It's sort of a narcissistic Christianity. And the result of the result of that is that it's about me and what I can get from it rather than who I am to be and what I'm supposed to give. And then the other paradigm that's a bit of a that 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 has caused us to lose our way at times is we seek so much to be relevant that we forget that our first identity is not to be relevant to a culture, but our first identity is to be relevant to Christ and and to do what he says, to stand for right and wrong, to even when it's not popular. So we go back to, I mean, it's a, without making it trite, but say pre-World War II Germany, the Christians weren't relevant. They were at risk if they started to stand out, stand out to look different. And and just as in, in the podcast, I, t- I took a sneak listen to it when you guys put it on this morning with uh, Jay Wallace. Uh, mm-hmm. As there's more hostility towards Christianity, we're going to stand out. If we're if we're representing Christ, we're going to be less concerned about being relevant and more about just just being willing to do whatever it takes. For sure, yeah. And there's a cost there. So you, t- you think of like Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Yep. Uh, you know, he stood for truth and righteousness in the midst of these things. You, you can go and you can go. The list goes on and on and on. Um, of what it means to stand for truth and righteousness when, when the world's going crazy around you. Uh, and it's worth the cost. It's worth the cost, right? Yeah. Um, you know, all, all 12 of Jesus's apostles, uh, you know, after Judas was obviously he killed himself, but, but when Matthias was in all 12 were martyred, um, you know, Jesus said the world's going to hate you. And sometimes if you, you know, you, you desire to live a godly life, you will be persecuted. Now that doesn't, doesn't tell us how we'll be persecuted, but you're going to stand out at some level. And so there's a lot of, there's the benefits of knowing Jesus and standing for truth and righteousness are manifold of infinity, but there's also a cost there, right? And we got to count that cost, but it's worth it. It's worth it. So I think the other cool thing is that when you step out in faith to let God use you according to the giftings he's given you, he knows what you can do to help the situation. It's his doing. And when you're in the middle of that and you're trusting that he's going to provide and he's going to make a way and, you know, it's just amazing to be in the middle of that because you're seeing God do the work around you. Yeah. It's so faith building just to be in the middle of that. You know, like when we were building our houses, uh, we were re- I should say rebuilding our houses, we had over a thousand people come along that journey with us. And, you know, I, I know people, but I didn't know a thousand people. And when <laughs> I needed an electrician and I prayed, it was like the next day somebody, you know, would say, I'd say, well, we're looking for an electrician. Oh, well, I have this friend that just retired and, you know, he'd be willing to come and, and uh, help you and, you know, not charge you very much at all. And, and it was a professional and I couldn't believe it. It was like one thing after another, after another. And you could just see God's hand in it. And you mm. knew that he wanted this because he loves justice, right? And he wants to see this for the, these women. And so he's just going to use the people that are willing. And it's just a blast to see that. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So how can you guys, what do you guys both think about this? How can the local church, both pastors and members help hope against trafficking, continue its mission? What does that look like? 
Um, I'll start with that. I, I think when you, the very first thing is that this is an evil like no other. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Uh, the stories that I've heard are horrendous. I can't even repeat them. They are so bad. But when you know that the evil one that is behind it wants to keep these women trapped, um, life becomes very challenging because this is a spiritual battle that we're fighting, not a, you know, a, a physical one. And so um, we are constantly in need of prayer. And we really covet prayer to protect our ladies, to be drawn back into this evil, uh, as well as our staff. That Satan tries to come found us a lot along the steps of the way. We have to keep our faith, get it put on the armor of God every day. And it's just, we need prayer. So that's, that's number one. I think the second thing, uh, when you think about your church and what we just talked about was, you know, a couple dozen, I think it was 38 people signed up on that sheet um, to come and volunteer. We need volunteers. We are a faith-based organization. Not all, all organizations are in this ministry. We believe that is the key, that God transforms lives. It's not us, but we need volunteers to come alongside. And what that does for these women is gives them that, wow, why are they doing that? It's unconditional love just coming out to volunteer. And the needs are great, running four houses uh, and the properties that we have um, and the running the events that we try to do, do fundraising. Just having people come alongside is encouraging not only to the staff, but also to to our survivors. So, And I, I, I'd say it, the simple simple answer is do something. Do something. Like I love that, that song by Matthew West, and it, it speaks to me every time. But I'll, I'll I'll pray and believe in faith that this podcast will go viral around the country. So whatever state somebody's in listening, start to fasting them, now. That's right. <laughs> whatever wherever somebody is that they're geographically, you know, listening to this, there are local agencies that are yeah. working in this and that are that are Christian in their mission. And that's the thing is, you know, we can just do something um, in in the world in the secular space, but this is a ministry. Uh, with a with a Christian worldview first, uh, with hope against trafficking, and that's who I would say partner with. Um, you know, there, there's a, <clears throat> and, and the church needs to do something. There, there's a condition. Uh, we were talking about this before the podcast. You know, diabetics can lose the sensation in their feet, and they end up with a it, with a problem of walking called ataxia, where they kind of stumble or stagger around because they have lost all their feeling in their feet. And the church, when it's not active, when it's not the hands and feet of Christ, we, we spiritually were ataxic. We're stumbling, fumbling around trying to find our way. We need to do something, get those hands and feet active. And there's a lot of opportunities by working and partnering with the local Christian ministries that are fighting this fight. Love it. Yeah. It's like Wilberforce in Europe when they, they abolished slavery over there. And you, you think of all the people, you know, when they closed down the uh, Coliseum Games and how they stopped the infanticide that was happening in the third century, the early church, you know, just standing for righteousness and truth. And, and hey, this is what God's called us to do. And, and the list goes on and on and on of how Christians have changed culture and society. So, but yeah, that's, this is a huge thing. And, and the more you look into it, um, like you said, it is a dark evil that it, it disgusts you when you see what's happening, uh, especially with children. 
and and, and the women who get caught up into that, uh, and and just the horrendous the horrendous things of of treating someone in the image of God the way that they're being treated, and just to see God and Christ restore the dignity of that person is that's what we want. We want that redemption. We want to see the life rebuild. We want to see our community change. And Barb, you were I saw you over the weekend. And you wore a shirt that said "Not in my mitten." <laughs> Not in my mitten. Can you talk backyard. about that real quick? <laughs> We started talking about, you know, it's not going to happen in my backyard. And if I have anything to do with it, I'm going to do whatever I can to help stop this trafficking and to help restore the survivors. And it just became a movement. Uh, okay. One of the board members uh, designed the shirt and we started selling the shirt and it started selling like hotcakes. So uh, it's, uh, yeah, so you saw you saw that. We got, we got shirts. I'll give you, I'll bring I, you one. Ooh, I ta- I'll take it. I'll wear it. All right. Great. <laughs> bring one for John too. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'll definitely wear it. Will do. Will do. All right. Uh, last question here. Do you have any advice for pastors or leaders that you would offer to them really quick? Any, any advice? So, so pastors who are, who are listening uh, or, or any leaders, like what would you advise them? What would you say? Um, I, I, I really think that pastors need to know they have a critical role to play. Mm. Um, when I think about when, when we were early on trying to kind of get the word out, there was a little bit of a hesitation to talk to groups like ours. Um, there's only so much time in the pulpit, you know, we don't want to do this. And just, (laughs) there's a lot of protection and, and we kept saying, but people need to hear this. They need to hear this. And the power of the word, because, you know, even, even the power of God's word, when it's spoken forth and it does its work. Right. And so people have to understand and hear in order for hearts to move. And, you know, like we heard somebody came to us and asked, or we hear, you know, uh, people talk about the stories or whatever. It's then that God uses that to start breaking your heart and saying, you know, you need to do something. So we were calling on pastors to be bold, you know, get up and talk about this problem. It's nobody wants to really hear about it. They don't want to lean in. It's an ugly truth that's happening. It's a difficult subject, but it doesn't have to be an hour long, you know, and it could be just a couple minutes like we did in your church and it moved your congregation. So letting the Holy Spirit do its work requires you to speak forth truth. And so that's, that's the first thing. Second thing is just encouragement. Uh, we talked about the need for volunteerism, but people have giftings. And what I love about your church is that your pastors know your congregation and they're recommending people to, hey, you know, this person has this strength and this skill and you can encourage on your, your end and we can have conversations and it gives them an opportunity to use their, their strengths and their giftings from God. So it's just something simple, but it's that connection with your congregation that could help uh, encourage them to do something and then funding. I mean, funding is really a challenge for every nonprofit that's out there, especially after COVID. And finding ways to uh, to help these organizations like Hope Against Trafficking, uh, we're dependent and we're dependent upon God. But when people hear, they also can give from their hearts. We actually, I don't even know if you heard this story, but one of your um, members of your congregation came in. She was watching online. And she was so moved by the, the, the discussion that we had on stage that she left her home, drove here, and said, God asked me to write you a check and gave us that check. But she, she was so glad that she didn't miss us. Like, she was moved. She, she, God moved her. But it was because you chose to take a couple minutes on a Sunday 
And look at how many people in your church now are just excited about coming alongside. It's a social justice issue that God loves justice. So if God loves it, we need to love it and we need to lean in. Yeah, Genesis 18, 25, will not the judge of the whole earth do what is right? Uh, will not the judge of the whole earth do what is right? You know, the Lord is merciful and gracious. You know, he's, he's faithful and just, right? He's just the God of justice. So good, I love it. Those are great things. I want to thank, go ahead, John. There's Well, there's a... One, one other thought for pastors is um, the, the line of immorality has slid all the way into the church. Mm. Uh, we're like the Corinthian church in many respects today. So my advice to pastors would be, first of all, look at your own house. And the sad statistic is some, it was done, it was a survey done by Covenant Eyes, I believe, the online guardian um, uh, uh, website. And uh, over 60% of men who are professing Christians look at pornography at least monthly. And so I, I might have a detail on that statistic wrong, but it's shockingly high. The point is, um, there's something pastors can do around men's ministries uh, to, to address morality and, and, and having a standard of righteousness inside their church and starting there. Uh, and then everything else that Barb said is true, but we need to raise a standard of righteousness for men. Yeah, amen to that. Well, great. Thank you guys so much. I want to thank you, Barb and John, for taking the time to be here. It's always great to see you guys. Uh, you can learn more at hopeagainsttrafficking.org. Yes. We'll have that in the show notes as well. Uh, I'm going to sign off here. Uh, Stream Roots is a production of Barnabas Ministries. You can learn more at barnabasministriesmi.org. That's barnabasministriesmi.org. We release an episode every Monday morning. We would love if you rated the episode or shared it with a friend. It allows us to get God's word out to more and more people. We'd be grateful if you did. Stream Roots, drawing deep from the living water of God's word. <laughs>